Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago that one of the easiest ways to get started if you have something you want to do is to sit in front of the sit in the space where you're going to do it and then do nothing. And the only thing you allow yourself to do is that thing. You know, there's no distractions allowed. And that's basically where I'm at today. Um, I, I got a new microphone. I'm sure you can tell the difference. Um, and uh, so let me know. Give me give me some time to figure this all out and let me know what you think about it. Um, the the previous one was fine. It's just this one. Uh, this one has some different characteristics that I'm hoping to play with. But the other the other thing is, I guess the, the, today there's not quite as much directly on my mind. So we'll see we'll see what comes out. There are a few things I want to figure out though. So uh, let's uh, let's see where this goes. Last so let's see. Last couple of podcasts have been. Um, a little bit heavy, I'll admit, on the the diet stuff that I'm going through right now. Uh, part of that is I'm I'm just excited about it. It's it's something that I didn't expect to learn about, and I'm really enjoying the opportunity to explore this side of my humanity. I mean, really, like it's uh, it's something where the the food I eat and the food that I've always eaten is pretty straightforward. You know, you eat you eat the food that you're supposed to eat. Every once in a while, you eat something you're not supposed to eat, and you, you live with that. But there's a a discipline required with a a diet, and, and a diet it's such a restrictive diet too. It it actually it is so restrictive that it removes something called decision fatigue. Right? Decision fatigue is this. Uh, it's it's a symptom of having too many things to look at. Right? When you go to a supermarket, there's so many different things to choose from. So what do you pick? Well, you pick what you're used to, and you pick what you're comfortable with, you pick what sounds good, you pick what somebody advertised to you, um, because your brain can't handle trying to compare everything to everything. So you go with what's familiar, you go with what's known, um, and what's easy. This is one of the reasons why habits are so hard to break, because you'd have to make a conscious effort to overcome that that inbuilt preference to take the easy way out, to, because you have to you have to make a decision. You have to choose. And one of the benefits of a high elimination diet, which is what uh, keto and carnivore are, right? They are they are ways of getting things out of your diet. One of the benefits is, rather than going through decision fatigue as much, you are a little bit more free to look at your your shopping list and say, well, I'm getting these things. And I'm not getting those things, right? You look at the back of something, and you're like, all right, it has so many carbs. No, I'm not eating it. Carnivores are the easiest. It's like, is it meat? Is it an animal product? Okay, I can eat it, or no, I can't. Um, so when you remove that decision fatigue, when you make the, you make the actual process of, of choosing what you do easier, it it allows you to expend that energy in other places, um, and that that's a real that's a real benefit when when you don't have to try and overthink as many things in your life. Because you're just you are allowing certain decisions to be predetermined. Right? You're making one big decision, and then allowing things to flow from that principle. So that's one of the I guess the things that, that's so interesting about it is this this lifestyle really allows you to cut some decision out. It allows you to um, have a relatively straightforward set of decision making when you go to the store, but then when you get home, it's like, okay, well, I've got, 
I've got a bunch of ground beef. What do I do with it? How do I make this interesting? How do I, how do I enjoy the simplicity? Um, and it's it's almost, it's almost a, a dietary version of the minimalist movement. It's a move that that in particular is a movement um, very popular among millennials, of cutting down the number of things that you have, limiting it to the things that you actually use. So. If you don't use a blender, you sell your blender, or you don't buy one. Or if you don't expect you're going to need um, all your books, you get rid of them. Or you know, if you don't need a piece of furniture, it's gone. And and the idea behind that is, well, one, you only have so much space in your apartment, so you, you limit yourself to what you actually are going to use. And then also that allows you to budget around the things you care about and value the things that you do have. However, I do think both of these come from a fundamental problem of, well, genealogy. The, the boomers were problematic by no fault of their own because they were a large generation. And this is, I guess, where I'm going to go with this today um, because I have been looking, uh, looking into this a little bit and, and, and learning more about the real class divide that has occurred in America around... Well, a number of different things. Um, and the biggest class divide is that the, the upper class, the educated, are increasingly insular. That those who go to universities now go because they're smart, not because they have money. And the problem with this, right? The, the, okay, let me, say, let, me, let me throw out a bone, right? This is a good thing in that you're allowing people who have intelligence to maximize their ability to use it. You're giving them the chance to go and get a good education and go take some training to, to go into a high skill uh, job, which then allows them to utilize their skills in that position, which is good for the, the general economy. So we're taking very smart people from all different walks of life and sticking them together. But the problem, right, the problem with this is now you have smart people socializing with smart people. And it's not so much the mix of like, well, you got some rich kids and some smart kids, and then you got some poor kids who are smart, but they don't go to college, so they interact with other poor kids who maybe aren't. And you ended up with, in that case, with a kind of a, a blend, not a pure blend, right? You know, everybody up and down, but 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 it, it was a little bit more of a blend of natural intelligence, right? And we can debate we can debate how much is is natural and how much is um, coming from nurture, right? But there is at least a portion of your intelligence, your general uh, cognitive ability, which is genetic. And there is a significant correlation with that uh, cognitive ability and your economic opportunities and successes. Now, does that make you any less of a person if you're not that smart? No, no, do not hear me say that. I want to be very clear right here, right now. The, the amount of intelligence a person has does not... It does not determine their, their value and worth as a human being. They are a human being in body and soul, and they are just as valuable in that regard. However, in economic terms, it's different. And, and then when we, when we think about allocating resources, when we think about how do we serve our neighbor with the things that we have, we do have to take into account what skills we have, what skills our neighbor has, and how we're supposed to interact with those. And one of the one of the challenges that comes up because of this insularity 
is that you end up with more uh, generational wealth, more generational skills, uh, more generational class being uh, institutionalized. So you get people from an upper class background whose parents are, are both, let's say, lawyers, uh, because they, they didn't meet one another before they went to college. They met one another after they went to college, after they had already gotten in their career. And so you have now have two kids um, who are the kids of these lawyers. They go to private schools, and these kids go to their own private school or, or public university, what have you. And they study something intelligent like medicine or law, and then they meet people in those departments who they socialize with, marry those people, and, and those people tend to be smart as well. And so then you get smart people making more smart people, which is to a certain extent good, to a certain extent. And it's good in that it allows you to do certain things in your economy. It allows you to grow. It allows you to expand. It allows you to create opportunities that require intelligent people. The problem is, what do you do when those smart people try to create for themselves areas where they no longer need people who have lower skill sets because they want reliability. They want, they want control. What happens when really smart people start designing self-driving cars so that they don't have to interface with people who aren't smart? When the engineers try to take over, what do you do with everyone else? And this is a big question. Now you could say, well, the, you know, they'll find a job. Sure, but what you need is you need a job for them that requires general manual labor and only requires of them the intelligence that they have, right? The lower, the, the people of lower intelligence. Why? So that they can express their inherent value as workers, as people, you know, as, as men, your young working class men are able then to find fulfillment in meaningful work, which is important for people. It is important for people to have meaningful work. But that's not just true for smart people. It's also, it's also true for dumb people. And there are dumb people. We have to acknowledge that. Right? And, and the thing is, the, the people who, who aren't on the upper echelons of intelligence know that. They know that the other people are smarter than them. The people who are in the upper echelons tend to know that there are people who are not as smart as them. But they don't respect one another, on the whole. They don't understand how to talk to one another, on the whole. You know, because if you're a smart person, you tend to have a difficult time being straightforward in the way that other people are straightforward. Your, your vocabulary is more versatile, and your grasp of the language and of nuance might be faster. But how do you then interact with somebody who isn't that way, who needs a little bit more clear, a little bit more straightforward, honest talk, right? Maybe this is the, I do think this is one of the reasons why the current president is so hard to understand for intellectual people, is that he doesn't talk like an intellectual. He doesn't think like an intellectual. He does not express himself intellectually. He expresses himself like another one of the guys. And he, he because, and I think part of that's because that's the kind of people he worked with in construction. He worked with salt of the earth kind of people. 
middle class, working class people. And so he spoke their language so that they, he could do work with them. And he respects them because of it. And he knows how to talk to them because of it. And there's a lot of people who are very smart, who work in media, who work uh, in other jobs, but, but who, who think about and talk about politics, who, who don't quite understand that. And I think part of the reason they don't understand that is because they didn't ever work a working class job for any long period of time. They didn't socialize with those people. Not the poorest of the poor, right? Because the poorest of the poor, they probably interacted with the homeless people. Oh, the poor homeless. Yeah, they're the poor homeless. I agree with you. What about the guy who's a rung up, who's generally stable, who, you know, if he loses his job, he's going to he's going to have a hard time. And, you know, it's going to it's going to come out and, and his relationships are going to be strained with his family, with his kids. He's going to be struggling, might go into some de serious depression if he loses his job because he can't get another one very easily because he's good at what he does. And there's not a lot of other jobs for people with his skill sets. But he's good at what he does, right? He's a he's a construction worker, right? He's a really good painter. He's a, a contractor, uh, or works for a contractor, right? Does manual labor. He's maybe he's a car mechanic, right? A lot of these guys are not. No, no. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people in those positions are very, very smart, and and you know, good for them. Good for them for actually taking a job like that and doing something. And generally they do it because they love it. Because the people who are generally that smart to, to you know, of, of, of a you know, higher intelligence level are going to do a higher task job because they can. Because they can and that is a good allocation of their, of their intellect for the service of the neighbor. And yet I respect those who work a lower job because to a certain extent there's a value there. There's a value in working with other guys, in, in not in in showing them that you respect their way of life and you're willing to live it with them um, that you don't think that your intelligence entitles you to some hipster lifestyle you know to some weird fad diet now I do think the diet thing is is a good thing because it's it's part of the you know part of the problem but see that is part part of the problem is the people on generally the lower class in America are generally heavier. They're generally fatter. Um, the upper class is skinny because the upper class has diets and they have um, you know, different fads that they do. They have exercise that they do regularly because they need to. And so then they control all these things and they think about all these things. And if you're a working class person, you eat what you eat. You eat what you eat, what your mama gave you. You, know, you eat what's available. You eat chips because you're hungry. And it's, it's one of the reasons I, 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 I'm big on carnivore, honestly. I think carnivore has the opportunity to enter the working class like a firestorm. But it does require discipline, and so that, that's, the biggest, that's the biggest hurdle. But it's the kind of discipline that, that I'm hoping is, is understandable to good, honest folk. Uh, the challenge comes in how do you deal with it if, because that's not a part of the culture. Because you can't have beer in that. And, and if, you're, if you're working class, you drink beer. What beer you drink is going to get criticized by the people around you, and they're going to make fun of you if you drink Coronas, because Coronas, you know, generally just piss water. But, you know, so is everything else, but it doesn't matter. Um, but, but there's a culture there, 
and there's a culture that needs to be respected. And there's a lot of people there who live that lifestyle who don't feel respected by intellectuals. Because intellectuals don't generally think that way anymore. Now, now that's, that's, that's really where the problem comes, is because they used to. Because intellectuals used to come from all walks of life. You could have an intellectual whose parents may have come from um, a farm, who, who may have come from you know, a manufacturing job. What we have now is second and soon to be third generation intellectuals. People whose parents worked good jobs, who sent their kids to college, whose kids went to a good college and were surrounded by like-minded people or like-skilled people or similar intelligence people. And they've done that their entire lives. And honestly, there's a big thing going on in the Lutheran Church right now, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, where we're talking about our own insularity. And this is part of the problem. You get kids who have lived in the same communities, gone to the same, you know, Lutheran schools, gone to the Lutheran college, attended Lutheran conferences their entire lives. They've never gone outside their own little bubble. They've been sheltered, they've been isolated, and they have no idea how harsh and rough the real world is. And, and whenever they, they interact with it, they, they recoil in horror, you know, oh no, look at these dirty people. Oh my gosh, we have to help them somehow. Oh, it's a good thing we have the good old ways, and let's all get together and be happy, and let's build a community. Well, I'm sorry, you have already. You're living in it. Be happy with it. Or learn to accept that people aren't as aren't that, that people aren't the way they should be, according to your standards. People are different, and people are allowed to be stupid. People are allowed to be dumb. People are allowed to drink beer, smoke weed. And, and do other things according to the legal, the legal structures of the, of the system that they're living in. They are allowed to. Is it good always? No. Smoking weed may not be the best thing. It may, you know. Talk to your doctor. Talk to your friends. Talk to your pastor. Talk to your pastor about marijuana. Um, you know, for some people, that's going to be healthy. And the fact that it's legal now means that that's not a problem either. But to, to outright think that, that there is a direct connection between certain things and bad, or that there's a certain reaction against um, you know, certain things that are, are in fact bad. Yes, yes. You know, for example, the Super Bowl halftime show. I don't know how many of you know about it, but it was, it was hypersexualized. It was a concert, and a lot of people that I know at least were surprised or shocked at how bad it was. Here's the thing. I worked at a concert venue when I was in high school. So this was five years ago now. I've seen much worse. I mean, I'm, are you kidding? Now, the fact that it was televised, I get it. I get it. And, and you, you're finally aware of it. You're waking up. Good. Good. And, and don't, don't be complacent. If you, if you still believe that your voice can make a difference in this regard, good. Speak up and speak out. I've burned, I've burned out, right? I've, I've walked through clouds of marijuana smoke amongst scantily clad people trying to sell them water because they need water, because they're dehydrated, because they've been taking drugs in 100-degree weather over the summer because they're, they're absolute idiots and they're here bumping up against everybody else and raving. It's ridiculous. 
It is ridiculous. It's disgusting. It's, it's happening. And it's America. And it's, it's not just America. It's around the world. It is, it is a culture that we have here of decadence. And a lot of these people, a lot of these people are actually middle to upper class. And they're enjoying the fact that they can blow that kind of money on being decadent. And then they're going to go and have perfectly decent jobs where this action doesn't actually affect them because they're generally buffered by their own skill sets and the social circles that they live in. And then because they have that buffer, they're never going to suffer the consequences of their actions, in addition because their parents care about them. But these, these are kids who are not going to actually suffer the consequences of their licentiousness. So you talking to them and telling them how it's a bad thing isn't ever going to get home with them because they don't have to listen to you. And that's the problem. Nobody has to listen to one another anymore. You don't have to listen to me. I'm grateful that you do. But nobody has to listen to anyone anymore. We don't, we don't give each other the time of day just because. And frankly, there's a good thing to that. There's a good side to that because it means, it means we, have to, we actually have to respect one another's time and give one another the, the best value we can. Right? We have to, to understand that the other person is going to have other things that they would be interested in doing, and we should respect that, and when we are with them, use that time for good. You know, for dealing with matters that matter, things that matter, talking about one another. You know, don't, don't talk about you know, things that are irrelevant to your relationship. You know, um, don't, don't gossip. Don't gossip. Gossip is a waste of time at this point, right? We do not live in an age where we have time to gossip. I'm sorry. And this is one of the things I like about pretty much everybody I talk to, pretty much, is that there's very little time spent on uh, those kind of extraneous topics. And, and so thank you all uh, for, for that. I really, I really appreciate it. And, and I appreciate that you have at least been able, been willing to value that. And I hope that, you know, if you're listening to this, that I'm providing some value to you. And if, if not... Uh, well, don't listen, and, and I, will, I will be forced to up my game because of dwindling numbers, as has been the case. So, you know, something I should probably take the hint here pretty soon. But there, this class, that's what I'm trying to get to here, is that this class divide actually, it actually has effects in the people we talk to. Because we will inherently work within our own bubble. We will limit ourselves to our own class, to our own social sphere, and we won't leave. And because we won't leave, we won't learn to respect the other people. And if we, if we think about them, we'll think about them as a charity case if they're below us and as snobs if they're above us. And so everybody in between is going to be surrounded by charity cases and snobs. And it's, it's, not, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. The people we live with in our, in our communities are going to have this, this bifurcation as well. You know, we are going to move to a community that has good schools because we want our kids to go to a good school. So then we're surrounded by other people who can afford to move to a good community to have good schools to send their kids to. You see the problem here, right? We suddenly, after a couple of generations, we've institutionalized poor schooling because the only people who can, who can move there are the people who can afford to move there because they're, they're, they can only make enough money to actually finally actually live there but they can't afford enough money 
to move to a nicer neighborhood. And so because nobody wants to live in the poor school district, those houses are cheaper, and so people who can't make as much money are able to live there. And because people who can't make as much money, generally speaking, are the kind of people who aren't as intelligent in the modern economy, in the modern economy, that's the case, because we've, we've, we've turned our economy into an economy of ability and intelligence that rewards intelligence. Because of that, we now have a divide in our, in our culture between the haves and the have-nots. The haves who are intelligent, generally speaking, who are able to move to good districts, whose kids are able to go to good schools, and who are then able to interact with good other good people, socialize with other smart people, make good decisions in their lives, have good healthy diets, and all in all be generally prosperous and successful in their lives, and then send their own kids to repeat the process versus the people who will continually fall on hard times because they're working paycheck to paycheck because they can't afford to save up any money because they don't make a lot of money because they can't because they don't have the skill set or they don't have the, the 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 training or they just don't know how because it's not a part of their worldview it's not something that they've ever had to, to handle and so we have this, this immense bifurcation of, of abilities from an economic perspective from a cultural perspective and we get institutionalized class differences regardless of race i'm not even talking about race right we could bring that up another day this is just class the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because we because we interact with other people of our class and that's the problem i don't think it has anything to do with you know the nature of capitalism or what have you i do think that's you know we've we've accelerated a, a problem but i'd say the real problem is just that we have become incredibly incredibly insulated and we we don't think about other people at all we don't think about what their lives are like. We don't respect the decisions they make. Um, and then this this happens even between uh, generations. And I think this is where the, the you know, I want to kind of wrap it up. It has been interesting for me to learn about the boomers and the benefits that they have reaped at, from being a large generation. Because having a large generation, you would think it would be a matter of competition, but because there's so many people buying houses, the, you know, the price of houses is going to actually decrease because the demand is high. And so then your supply is able to increase to, to meet the demand. And so maybe there's a little bit of time where it's, where it's you know, not that great, but then it you know, shoots down, shoots down and they're able to afford things. And then they're able to produce so much and in so many different ways of the economy that, that they're able to actually afford a decent living. And then they're able to vote in their own best interests and get whatever they want because they have the, the population base. And now they have more wealth than old people have ever had before. They spend more money than old people ever have in history. They go to their other dumb concerts. Oh my gosh, they have so many of those. You have old people who have nothing better to do with their money but waste it away because they're bored because they still have a job, because they haven't retired, because they, they have really good jobs that, that keep them living in a fancy lifestyle, which they want to keep going because 
they've lived there all that way all their lives because that's what their parents did. And the problem is, millennials don't have that benefit. My generation does not have that benefit. We can't, we, we can't get housing because the boomers need their houses to stay at a reasonable value so that they can retire whenever they choose to retire. We aren't going to have the benefit of, of reasonable taxation because we're going to have to pay for the boomers' health care. It's glorious, isn't it? It's just fantastic. Why? I don't know. I don't know why we can't solve the problem. I assume it's just basic demographics and self-interest. It's the, the, the weakness of a democracy. Even though we're not a democracy, we're a democratic republic. We just haven't thought about it. And, uh, you know, it, as much as I used to think that the boomers were, were you know, getting a bad rap, perhaps. Millennials were ridiculous but the more i've gotten into their mindset you know after i got out of college i'm like well you know what millennials have a point that's the most terrifying thing in the world all this you know grass-fed beef stuff yeah they've got a point this you know weird hippie trippy stuff of you know wanting to get back to nature yeah they've got a point you know, running and, and exercising as being a part of their culture, they've got a point. And I just hope that, honestly, it may sound weird, and I never thought I would say this, but, but I hope the millennials win the culture war. I hope, I hope that millennials learn to be independently minded in terms of their governmental policy, libertarian. And I hope, I hope that they, they take everything that the that we've done to screw up our communities and they work to actively fix it. But knowing is the first part of the problem. And I hope that y'all who have listened feel like maybe that now that you know, you've, you might have a chance to uh, get some ideas and hopefully together we can work towards getting back to the American way of life, the common values that we all share that bind us together in a true community, and a true union, in a true United States.